0: Hey everyone, this is Arnold Bian with Warm Welcome, where every Wednesday we meet the makers behind the most beloved restaurants to share their stories, struggles, and success. Today on the show is Erica, a managing partner of Rivers and Hills Hospitality Group, which include concepts such as Yunnan Kitchen, Northern Tiger, Kodawari, and Weila here in New York City. Erica is a North Carolina native who grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't as diverse as other major U.S. cities at the time. As such, her Asian-American experience growing up was mostly through homeschooling. However, this would provide her family the flexibility to travel together internationally where she was exposed to different cultures and cuisines very early on. The part that most resonated with me personally while speaking with Erica was when Erica would bring her mom's cooking for lunch to school and would be embarrassed by how foreign her lunch would be as opposed to her other classmates. And I'm certain if you're listening and you also immigrated or can identify as a minority, this was probably true for you too. I had a wonderful time to be able to chronicle her journey from being someone who was embarrassed by her lunches to opening a restaurant that celebrated regional Chinese cooking. Uh, She played a very important role early on in shaping up regional Chinese cooking in New York City and how it is represented. So it was an immense pleasure and honor to revisit the beginnings of her career as a restaurateur. As always, to begin, we bring you back to North Carolina in the 80s and 90s where Erica grew up.
1: I pretty much grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's, you know, like in the 80s, 90s. And my dad had been relocated here for his job. So we didn't really know anybody. I mean, I was so, you know, I was a baby and it's pretty, back then it was not very diverse here. It was interesting to be, you know, special like the token Asian in one sense but then also facing a lot of like differences and discrimination as well. So I think that was kind of sums up, I guess, the experience of living here. We were actually pulled out of school early on because of some racism in the school. Like a lot of it was just, you know, people here at least then were very isolated or just not very well exposed to I guess other people and other cultures. So, like, my first grade teacher, like, I have very vivid memories of this. She would make fun of the lunches I would bring in because my mom would always cook us Chinese food for lunch. She, yeah, she didn't want us to eat like the chicken nuggets or whatever. And probably cheaper to make food at home anyway. Um, so she would like cook noodles and, um, yeah, just different stir fry, sometimes curries, And yeah, it was really good. So, but I was always embarrassed to bring in my lunch. So sadly, yeah. But I I also loved it. Like my mom is an amazing cook. So there's always this like constant struggle and tension between being an Asian American and being, you know, I guess in a more white Caucasian American sort of culture, predominant culture here.
2: Yeah. So when you said you got pulled out of school, did you eventually get homeschooled later on or yes
1: so we were homeschooled i have two siblings we were homeschooled from grade school until high school pretty much yeah um which was pretty awesome actually because then our parents well our parents were busy with work first of all so they kind of like let us educate ourselves (laughs) for better or worse (laughs) yeah there's like huge huge holes in my knowledge gaps in my knowledge but you know oh well um but because of that we were able to travel the world so I think my dad was working, had to go to Korea and also Japan a lot. And my mom's from Hong Kong actually. So we would just like travel around mainly Asia. So Japan. We lived there for a little bit. Yeah, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Taiwan. So we were just like constantly traveling, which was really amazing, food wise and exposure wise. And um I think that was Yeah, I love that part of my life. My parents are very brave.
2: I'm really happy also when I found out that you went to NYU, because I also went to NYU. But what made you ultimately major in, because it's actually nothing to what your career is now, and it was in fine and and fine arts and studio arts in at NYU. So, why did you pursue that major initially?
1: I actually think they didn't have that hospitality program yet when I first enrolled. So yeah, it was
2: idea. a little, a little <laughs> early on. Am
1: I like really old now? <laughs> um, I always liked design and drawing, painting since I was a kid. Um, I watched a lot of movies and cartoons and anime. I read comic books, so it's was kind of like nerdy in that sense. So I started like drawing when I was, I don't know, maybe in middle school and just continued and thought like, okay, well, I just I guess I'll go to art school. And interestingly enough, so I like, I applied to schools and I was trying to decide between Rhode Island School of Design. Cause I, I also had other interests cause I, I actually double majored in um, psychology as well. And I was like curious about other things, but the, reason why I decided to go to NYU um, was because there's Chinatown in New York and I wanted access to Chinese food, like Cantonese style, you know, roast duck, ta wonton noodles, things like that. Like that was actually what made my decision. Cause Rhode Island, you don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were some of probably my favorite dishes growing up as well. Like all this Cantonese I was just always drawn towards the arts, design, and I think that has served me quite well, actually, in the restaurant business because, you know, you have that design aspect and that experience to create um, for your your guests. So I felt like, actually, when I became interested in restaurants, sort of where all my interests came together with the food, and I've just had this obsession with food since I was a kid, and, you know, the design aspect... Um, and then I always found kind of business
2: and numbers really interesting and novel, I guess. I'm curious to learn more about what life was like working in that industry, because I, I don't know anything about it. And then the second thing would be how, I guess, how you shifted from that to restaurants. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's like, was there like a specific turning point there?
1: Um, yeah, so I worked in fashion. I worked for a production company producing um, photo shoots for advertising, I don't know, firms and different fashion houses. Like Tommy Hilfiger was one of our main clients. So we would produce all their you know, international ad, ad campaigns. Um, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I was still like able to work with, you know, photography as a medium in a way, um, location scouting. And then at the heart of that job is production. So logistics, organization, budget management, which are all things that are easy to translate into the restaurant industry as well. Yeah, but I didn't know it at the time. That was basically the only job that I could get though as well. It was like pretty hard to find a job as, you know, a fine arts graduate. Um, yeah, like at that point I kind of realized I don't think that my true passion lied in being a painter. That was my concentration. I couldn't see a way to make a living off of that. And again, I think I was always drawn towards sort of that, you know, fast-paced business, you know, creation aspect of things. So fashion seemed like a, you know, logical sort of progression or, you know, sidestep or some sort of pivot within the creative field. But yeah, the production life is, is pretty hard. It's it's similar to, I think, the grind of and the pace of restaurants. That was a really interesting, informative experience. But then at some point, I just felt like I wasn't really progressing or learning it's very repetitive. So I actually ended up going to China, to Beijing for a year to be a creative director for a nonprofit. So organizing, yeah, parties and fundraisers and galas and things like that. And I think after that, I was coming back to the U.S. and just thought, you know what? Like, I love food. I love restaurants and all that stuff. Maybe I should just try a new career. So I just decided to start working in a restaurant so I started as a busser I think <laughs> Thanks. at the standard grill when they first opened so I was part of their opening team and just kind of like learned everything yeah and and went from there
2: wow that's crazy the standard grill that's that's a very very hot restaurant when it first opened especially the that property too how was it like working there? Cause I mean, I, I, I personally worked in that neighborhood too. I mean, it wasn't my favorite experience. So I'm curious to see what you, uh, I mean, that was your first restaurant job. So what was that like?
1: It was a lot of fun. I think it was pretty chaotic though, (laughs) but it was, it was fun. I, I had never had like coworkers before, even in my previous jobs, it was like super small teams or just me with, you know, freelancers kind of a setup. So it's fun to have like a whole crew of people and that feeling of camaraderie and like making it through a very intense and chaotic shift. Yeah, so I never had that kind of sense of family before, which I really love. And just meeting so many different people from different backgrounds, different interests, different skill levels. Yeah, it was just like really rich, I think. And also like learning how to interact with different kinds of customers too. Because at that location, especially we got I don't know, there's so many different people, like tons of tourists, tons of celebrities, tons of like designers, it's just like everybody. I like, I had to like wait on my old boss and some old clients as well, which was kind of funny. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I work here. I'm your server. It was pretty fun,
2: yeah. When you when you went to the Standard Grill though to to start working at the Buster and uh, and I'm assuming that you said waiter, so you probably worked your way up there too. But was that all with the idea that you would open your own restaurant someday?
1: Yeah, at that point I was curious. I was like, let me see if I can withstand the daily grind. Can I actually do the work? And I wanted to learn all the aspects of the business, all the positions, in order to truly understand the business.
2: So not a lot of people do that. So I, I definitely commend you for, for taking a deep dive like that into the restaurant industry. That's a, you know, and not everyone has the guts to do that. But uh, your first restaurant that you open afterwards, Do Not Kitchen in 2012, I want to say. There's a really good quote that Pete Wells said, I think, that he, in his best words, describes the restaurant. So... I'll, I'll read it here. I think it says a restaurant that takes a farmer's market approach to the cuisine of Yunnan province. What do you, what do you think of that statement? And uh, does that kind of reflect what you were trying to do back then or?
1: I feel like back then there were not a lot of, um, I guess more thoughtful Chinese restaurants, especially not regional Chinese restaurants. Very few people were taking that, um, farmer's market or just looking really at the ingredients you're using approach within that cuisine yet so I definitely wanted you know especially because of my extensive travels and like living in Asia I knew how good the food is and you know maybe should be in a sense so I really wanted to bring that to New York into the U.S. and Yunnan cuisine was one of my or is one of my favorite regional Chinese cuisines just because it's so refreshing and different and unique um, not even what I really think of I like it blew my mind because I didn't think Chinese food could be like that. So I was like, we need to have this in New York. I need to be able to eat this on a date today, you know. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, but it was it was definitely difficult being one of the first people or restaurants to to do that and to really stick to their guns in that respect.
2: I, I would love to learn a little bit more though about your experience with Udon you know, like, uh, Udon Kitchen because this was your first time opening a restaurant you know and especially not any but not anywhere but even in New York of, of all places too so um I would love to hear more about maybe some early stories there some challenges along the way and I'm sure there were some education barriers too right in introducing like a lesser known cuisine
1: there were a lot of interesting challenges <laughs> and like lessons learned <laughs> I mean I think I was really young when I started it and and not very experienced, not experienced. I wasn't experienced. Uh, but I was able to like gather up, um, you know, some investment and loans and enough money to be able to start a pretty modest space. Like I did the design myself and was able to do the renovation through a friend's friend who completely ripped me off. I figured out later it was horrible so I think that I really learned a lot from that construction wise and just like trusting people or reading people or overall life experience. I learned a lot. Um, it was also the only space that I was able to get. I saw so many, as many as landlords would allow, because as somebody who doesn't have previous experience, I was, I didn't have access to a lot of spaces and a lot of good locations. Yeah. So that was like super way on the east side on Clinton Street, but on like the south side of Rivington, which was the not nice side and the side that I don't even think has been developed to this day. <laughs> um, Yeah. So that was like challenging, but I think I was just like so excited, so optimistic. I just went for it. Um And I am, yeah, pretty proud and happy of what we were able to do there. Some crazy neighbors. We were, yeah, just the neighborhood was just super free for all. And, you know, we, we made great friends with everybody around us, but everyone was just like, so special and crazy. (laughs) Like our opening day, one of our neighbors came down with all his pet snakes and he had a boa constrictor with him and he laid it across our storefront at like five o'clock. And we're like, Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Like you can't put your snake here. We're about to open, you know, the restaurant for the first time and then he moved it but you know just like things like that happening all the time there
2: fast forward three years you're you're flipping now the the concept and, and kind of re-strategizing here you hire you find a new chef um you 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 reconceptualize to the barbecue concept here uh and you also even i think the same year you you made your foray into fast casual with uh, northern tiger at hudson east and brookfield place so take me through this year, because I'm sure this was a very, um, also another kind of like pivotal year for you. I'm, I'm assuming when you're organizing kind of uh, your restaurant. Here.
1: So I met um, Doran Wong, who who is now my partner. And he, funnily, funnily enough, he was one of the chefs with Caesar Lee at Shang, which was also quite a bold restaurant um, in its time. And I actually read about Shang before I even went to or started working in the restaurant industry. And I was like, wow, these guys are like doing regional Shanghainese restaurant. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that I ended up meeting him later on. And then, you know, now we're working together. But he's like, I don't know. I think he's probably, I would say, he's the best Chinese-specific chef in New York. His food is It's just like, yeah, I was really blown away. Um, He's also like a pretty chill private guy as well <laughs> so we got along well we actually um met because we both played tennis and I like randomly met him in the subway so, oh we should hit sometime like, okay and then it kind of went from there so with you so you kitchen garnered a lot of attention um not only being one of the first regional Chinese restaurants during the whole you know market approach and whatnot like I remember we were probably like nobody knew what Sichuan peppercorns were back then. It was like really crazy. And now it's just like, it's like a pantry staple, you know? So it's like really cool to see how far that's come. So from that, I think some, or Brookfield Place, right? They kind of heard about us, came and checked out the restaurant, really, really liked the food and what we were doing. And then asked us if we were we would be interested in doing a quick service concept, Chinese concept um, at Hudson Eats, which I think was one of the first food halls in New York.
2: Yeah, it was definitely like the, one of the first very, very... Back then, it was like... It was not, a, it's not really... It was just beginning to become a thing. Yeah.
1: Right, right, right. So quick service was not something, you know, any of us had any experience with, but it sounded like really fun and interesting and, you know, a good opportunity to try something different. Yeah, so we just kind of presented them with a concept... We're trying to think of more of an all-day concept just because, you know, we knew the food court would be open, you know, the entire day. So like, oh, people like dumplings, like we love dumplings. And that's something like you can eat as a snack, as a meal, like there's flexibility in that. And surprisingly, they, I feel like it was surprising because Brookfield's like, you know, one of the biggest developers in the world. um, yeah, they they wanted us in there. So then we just kind of like went for it. And that was really, really crazy. I felt like when we first opened, I thought we were going to die, like literally die. Just being I never dealt with that kind of um, volume um, and demand before. So, and we were still kind of doing things in a way that was more full service restaurant. Like we were trying to like go <laughs> to every new- noodle bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody soon gave that up. We're like, no, we need to get this out of here. <laughs> so today. Like I remember, the first day we opened, we had to shut down because we just, you know, we couldn't we couldn't handle it. Our, our wait times were like fifteen minutes,
2: wow, twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we we're just like, we have to figure this out. And now today, it's like under under four minutes, you know, from ordering to yeah. So it was it was a really great learning experience.
2: Mm-hmm. So something I personally wanted to ask you is: Was there, in, in terms of like a branding decision? I'm curious why didn't you do like you non, I don't know, you not to go or like kind of, kind of build off of what you've built already. And, and, and why did you decide to kind of create a, a separate entire brand for this?
1: This is something that my sister criticizes me a lot for. She's like, you guys are too much of like artists, too much of designers. Like you just, cause you know, we're just like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if this existed in the world? And we like, you know what I mean? We, we, we tend to come from that angle which isn't always the best decision. And looking back, yeah, I agree. I think we probably, you know, maybe we should not have created a whole new brand and untested concept to put in this super expensive, you know, high-profile location. It probably would have made a lot more sense to continue Yunnan or some something more similar, at least. I don't know. But yeah, that's definitely a lesson learned and something that we're thinking more about, like continuity and, you know, building off of things that we already have built. But I think, our issue is we just get super excited about, um, new ideas. Yeah. We just get really excited about making things and creating, creating new things. And yeah, that's, that's, so that's why we decided to do something new there.
2: Well, I, I, want to say that honestly, it was, I lived in, I think I emailed you about this, but I lived in Fidai, um, around, around the time you guys opened, I think. And, uh-huh, yeah. uh, and I remember visiting. I was super excited about Hudson Eats because, if anyone that lives in um, BPC and FIDA can attest, like back then the dining options were horrible. Like, like you would have never imagined Crown Shy to open up or a Hudson Eats or even Manhattan, what have you. Um, so, mm-hmm. when, when you guys opened um, in, in that hall, I remember going there and I remember seeing like the usual suspects like, oh, okay, here's mm-hmm. an Umami burger, which back then was expanding like crazy. And then I think there's uh, Dos Toros, which is still you know expanding like crazy. I think Dig In is there. Like every every big fast yeah. name is there. And then I think you were one of the last stalls to open because you were still boarded up. And uh-huh. I have yeah. to say, I was like waiting really, really patiently for you guys to open because there was no good uh-huh. Chinese option in that neighborhood. I think even still to this day, to be honest, it was really exciting when you guys first opened. And I and I just wanted to spotlight. Northern Tiger, uh, a little bit on this podcast, because I think it's a very underrated, like, hidden gem, especially if you live in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in the spirit of, like, creating new things, around this time, like last year, you opened a, another, you helped open another concept, Wayla, which it's been a huge success, I think. And you even launched a little Wayla upstairs, too. But um, I, I, I would be curious to see how maybe your previous experiences, knowing what you know now, Guided you in opening a, a very successful restaurant, a Thai restaurant in the Lower East Side last year.
1: Over over the years, like I've really learned more about the importance of who your team is and how to work with other people from like such different backgrounds and who are incentivized by really different things. So at this point, I think we've built up a really really great core team of people, and I think that you know our our people are really what enables us to, you know, create a successful project. Um, so that's one point. I think also because I, I usually do the branding and design for our concepts. So just sort of growing in that sense really helped with Welo, which is very, very focused on the aesthetics and the experience, uh, particularly given its location and the setup being in the basement and whatnot. So I feel like, I don't know, just things have started to come together over the years. Um, Because in between, you know, Yunnan and Northern, we also have done a lot of consulting and like um, other projects too. So, yeah, I just think the culmination of all those things and just trying to really remain open and flexible um, has really helped kind of be able to do something dynamic and creative and um, fun at the end of the day.
2: The, the way you got involved though was really interesting too. Like you were friends with uh, your current chef partner's wife, right? And so that's what initially got you in, into helping with the design and branding at first, but it seems like it became a very full fledged project uh, after,
1: after. Yeah. After we started, you know, I, I started helping them out. Um, we just got along really well. And then I, they asked me to help hear more. And so, you know, happy to do whatever for my friends. Um, and then it just ended up being, you know, coming to a point where it just made sense for me to actually join the project. Um, so yeah, it happened very organically in that sense. So then we, yeah, joined forces and just kind of launched together.
2: Yeah. When you, when you joined, was the, was the space already something that was decided on or did this, was the space that you guys all looked at together?
1: They had already decided on that space and like started working on it. Um, I think it took a while, I think, because of some construction or permitting issues. So I came in, yeah. Kind of down the line, actually.
2: Did it, did, did it occur to you though? Like initially when you're getting involved, like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to make this like basement of a restaurant with no signage? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> how, how am I going to work around this?
1: Yeah. It was definitely, okay. This is a, challenging space Um, but I you know creative challenges are a lot of fun as well so I was like okay how can we play to to the space itself and make something work in here and I I already thought it was like kind of cool that it was tucked away so we just decided to kind of go with that and I had this beautiful backyard that when you walk through kind of the cavernous dining room of Wayla and you get to the back and it's like it opens up I thought that really struck me when I first walked the space. So we really focused kind of on that contrast between the dining room and, like, really making a beautiful, inviting, and you know, which is a really special backyard, which you don't get often in New York.
2: I, I I read the interview that you did with Aaron uh, when he was still with InHouse at the time, and I, these are I thought those interviews were really great. I hope InHouse continues these, but um, in your interview. Uh, I, I read your philosophy about um, opening and running restaurants as something uh, that's not a straight linear thing. Uh, I, I kind of want to delve more into that philosophy and maybe like your restaurant opening process in general. So like, how do you, how do you conceptualize these restaurants? Come um, with names and, and do you have like a mood board? I, I kind of want to dig into your, 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 your philosophy a little bit.
1: When I first started out, I was more like, okay, I'm going to hit this goal. And then when I do this, then this is going to happen. You know what I mean? It was very linear in that sense. Like very goal-based, very task-oriented. Yeah. And then now I feel like I'm just a lot more open and and like fluid in the way I process and think about things. Because, yeah, like life is very complex. You know, there's no... Simple solutions are rarely simple scenarios anymore. Um, So, yeah, when I start thinking about restaurants, I usually think about, uh, well, what does the community, like that neighborhood need? And then what are we passionate about? Like, what do we love? What would we love to see? What excites us? And then kind of go from there. I definitely always do a a mood board, um, a concept board. Um drawing from a lot of different, you know, arenas and sort of when we do find a space, just going in there and then kind of reworking that concept to really flow with the space. You can't really force it, you know, into an existing place. Right? So, yeah, that's just kind of how I get started.
2: It's, it's hard to ignore what's happening now uh, with, you know, Coronavirus, but how, how was Wayla doing? How was Northern? How are all of your restaurants doing prior to that weekend?
1: Yeah, Wayla was doing great, super busy. We were getting ready for our busy season, which is the summer. Um, utilizing that backyard space, which pretty much doubles the capacity of our restaurant, so we we're starting to revamp that. Uh, Northern was fine. Northern's a very consistent property, just because you know we're in Brookfield Place with all those office towers and you know that kind of bubble community over there. And then as soon as that weekend hit, the announcements hit, like everybody started pivoting and panicking, probably we just saw our sales plummet, like at Northern first, because I think a lot of companies started immediately issuing work from home policies. So it was like every single day, it would just drop, 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 drop. So we dropped like 70% within like those next five days before the shutdown or during the shutdown when that happened. Um, so that was really fast and bad <laughs> yeah so we just decided to shut down really quickly they gave away all our food to our employees and just wait and see mm-hmm. and then wayla was a little slower i think like we were just like starting to kind of dwindle as people weren't we're still waiting on news and not sure what to do yet but then you know the stay-at-home order and and shutting down of the economy we we're just like all right we gotta take a pause and regroup and wait for more information as well we had to furlough both teams for a while, yeah.
2: So you recently reopened for delivery and takeout uh, at your properties, but what are some challenges you're now facing uh, and, and how do you, I guess, intend to kind of react and respond to the new reality of restaurants?
1: I, it's, yeah, it's hard. We're still waiting on more information, more legislation to be passed. We feel like it's really a waiting game. As you know, they continue to change the terms of the PPP. And, um, you know, even in regards to evictions or personal liability on commercial leases, things like that. So we definitely need revenue. <laughs> so that's so why we decided to just go ahead and open for that delivery and take out when things seem to be at least a little bit more stable. Cause I think we've only been open for two weeks at Northern and then maybe, maybe three weeks. I don't know. At Wayla at this point yeah just to start providing jobs one for people who weren't able to collect unemployment and also just to like kind of keep things going keep things alive create any revenue that we can to help um tie us over for when there is a reopening but i do think yeah there's going to be i mean there's so many changes especially northern tiger i think we're really going to have to sort of rethink our situation there because it is Primarily a, um, an office setting. That's the primary source of our income are, you know, all the employees. When now I'm hearing, you know, American Express is allowing their employees to work from home permanently. Goldman Sachs is trying to shrink their footprint by two thirds or, you know, by a significant amount and also allow their employees to work from home. You know, Facebook's doing the same. Like, I think that's just going to be the new reality after this. So just thinking, okay, what, can we do there and then with the sit-down restaurants yeah still wait and see for all of us right but we're trying to take this time to be creative um offer new products think about new product or experience or you know how to how do restaurants fit into people's new lifestyle now
0: big thank you to erica for being on the show but also i wanted to thank steven who's the general manager at we love for the introduction and, and putting us together uh i've been able to visit and patronize all of erica's concepts except for Yunon kitchen and uh, it's been closed since then but i wanted to encourage you to continue to support our asian american restaurant community through these difficult times Outdoor Dining has officially opened as part of phase two in New York City. Phase three, where dining experiences will become available, looks to be on track for mid-July. Uh, a lot of restaurants we featured on the podcast are participating in outdoor dining, so please do give them your support when and where you can. Uh, I hope to do an episode soon, probably an off-menu episode or a blog post featuring the chef's restaurants that having on our show and to check back in with them this has been arnold and erica with Warm welcome uh, thank you for tuning in and don't forget to rate and review our podcast and send it forward to someone you think would be interested in our stories of asian americans immigrants and restaurant entrepreneurship see you next wednesday